the dark days are done and the bright days are here, my sunny one shines so sincere, sunny one so true. Our next guest is one of those rare talents who has something to say and can say it funny. He's a writer-performer on the new Laugh-In and one of the most popular, outspoken, and entertaining personalities on the local news here in Los Angeles. He's won a half a dozen Emmys as a film critic and host of his own shows. Let's welcome Mr. John Barber, right over there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was Sarita singing Sonny and Frank Sinatra saying... Here's Johnny, the nighty host of The Tonight Show. You can see that stand-up on my site, YouTube forward slash John Barber's World, plus part one of the Garrison Tapes. It is 5 p.m. Pacific time here in Las Vegas, where we're live with John Barber's World, where tonight we're going to be talking about the real world, and that means we're going to be talking about sex, without which there would be no world. All political beliefs and all religions are man-made. That's why they're all so screwed up. But Mother Nature did not screw up when she made us humans. Mother Nature only wanted us to be involved in what she calls the three Fs. Fornicating, feeding, and fighting. With feeding and fighting necessary to fornicate. The basic need to reproduce is so overwhelming that even the Bible admonishes us not to cohabit with the livestock. But but like you, I've seen videos of shepherds in Afghanistan that obviously do not read the Bible. And what you may not know about the United States is that five of our states and the District of Columbia have decriminalized bestiality <laughs> that's because someone has to sleep with hillary and ann coulter al franken sadly this week was the beast that had to resign but as al said as he pulled out of the senate the biggest beast is still in the oval office and this blonde beast is supporting another accused sexual predator in alabama Judge Roy Moore. Moore is a born-again Christian. Now, these people are born again because they didn't get Christianity right the first time. But how on earth in America does a guy like Moore get to even be a judge when he thinks separation of church and state means that the state must be subservient and separated from his religion, the Ten Commandments? do not belong in a courtroom, and neither does the Bible, not if you read the Constitution, which is the only thing that we should swear on in a courtroom. The thing that they avoid saying, though, about Roy Moore, which is a much, much bigger problem in America than men's unwanted sexual aggressiveness towards women, is that Moore tried to force a 14-year-old girl into fellatio. That is pedophilia. And as I speak, 
the outstanding investigative reporter who uncovered Obama's membership in a gay Chicago bathhouse is about to report a story about Trump's adventures in babysitting. We've all heard of one of England's leading TV personality, Jimmy Seville, his pathetic, depraved involvement in pedophilia with leaders of politics and industry. And the reason we hear about this is because it is in England and Jimmy is dead. But this sickness is alive in America, where the stories of pedophilia that I heard about years ago when doing the news were always somehow covered up. Tonight, we're going to uncover an astonishing, shocking story told to a woman who spent five years teaching school children how to protect themselves from these sexual predators. My guest is the director of the nonprofit fang.wilds.org. She writes a fantastically interesting blog about a number of subjects, but the blog she wrote about this young man's story, which he told to her, is absolutely chilling. And I can't thank her enough for being here to tell it to you. Please welcome V.C. Bester, known to her friends as Veronica. Veronica, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from Oregon. What's the weather like up in Oregon? It's beautiful but cold. Well, it's beautiful and cold down here, dear. Um, Before I ask you about the young man about whom you wrote, and you've obviously had a lot of contact with the victims of pedophilia. Have you ever had many conversations of the perpetrators, the adults? Oh, <laughs> I, I actually, I believe I dated one. And, oh, my um, God. Yes, and then I was friends with a woman whose husband was convicted um, of molesting his grandchild. And she did not believe that he had done it, even though he was convicted. Um, but yes, but I have to say, my own dad, when I was waist high, he um, took advantage of the proximity. So um, it's close to me. <laughs> the subject is close to me. And I do want to say to your listeners, if anyone gets upset, I feel like holiday time, everyone's childhood issues come to the surface anyway. And so um, please, everyone, be sure to... Um, you know, talk to someone you trust if, if this topic is a little close to home. The one thing that I find incomprehensible of Veronica is I don't know if it's sexual satisfaction that the predators are involved in because the children are not developed enough to ever feel anything pleasurable about it. It is obviously terribly awkward and embarrassing to them. And painful. So in your observations of the predators, what is it that you think they get out of it? Well, I I can only guess that it's uh, uh, something that people grow up with. I mean, it's just accepted in certain families that uh, this is what you do. And I I can't imagine, it's the furthest thing I can imagine, uh, you know, what a predator gets out of it. I I do want to mention there's something really weird about um, my friend Randy, who's um, Randy Turner, is an MK Ultra victim. So he was used by people at the very top of our government. Um, 
and they actually do use pleasure. I mean, children can feel pleasure. Of course they can. And um, uh, so part of the technique of mind control and, and programming these children is you torture them, and then you give them sexual pleasure. And so it creates this uh, conflict, and that's how they split the children's minds up. When, uh, uh, Veronica, how old, how old was Randall Turner when he began to talk to you, and why did he pick you to talk to? Well, he's he's all grown up now. He was actually sixteen in uh, nineteen eighty one. So you do the math. Um, but he, uh, uh, I guess I met him on Facebook. You know, there's Pedogate. Um, uh, Facebook pages, and so at first I just thought, well, this guy's off the wall, and then eventually, you know, his comments made enough sense. I realized he was 100% legitimate, and he was used by George Bush Sr. in uh, 1981 and was tortured and, uh, uh, you know, sodomized and all the horrible things that you do to... Uh, how, 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 uh, Veronica, how did they get a hold of him? I mean, and, did they kidnap him? Did they recruit him? How did, how did Randall say they got a hold of him? And how did he become their victim? Well, I know many children are kidnapped, um, but uh, his mother, he says, sold him at age uh, 15 to a woman pedophile. Um, and so that's how he eventually got into the hands of the family of John Voight, who was a movie star at that time, who had a very small daughter, Angelina Jolie, who, um, uh, you know, around the age of five, they decided that Randall Turner was, um, he was, they used drugs, mind control drugs, like, um, it's called devil's breath, it includes scopolamine, that um, makes a person extremely suggestible. And so they kind of turned him into this slave who was like a nanny and a bodyguard for the daughter of this movie star, John Voight. And so uh, Randall Turner was basically the drugged slave of Angelina Jolie in uh, 1981. And how old would have Angelina been in 1981? I understand. I, I used to... When I watched HBO years ago, I saw her in a number of really racy films made mm -hmm. for uh, television, and she seemed to only be out of her teens at the time. But was she one of these people, does Randall say, who was passed around in Hollywood as a sex toy? I don't know. I do know. I just know what he's told me, which is that um, when she was five, which was around 1980, I'm not positive exact dates, but uh, um, he was given this drug to, you know, train him and program him and, and control him. I mean, a 15-year-old boy does not want to hang out with a five-year-old girl, except under these exceptional circumstances. And he said that they also gave the drug to her because they were training her to uh, kind of be... You know, I think of it as like a dominatrix, um, but, uh, you know, this mind, mind control, which apparently Roseanne Barr says is, is quite widespread in Hollywood. And so I don't know if they were prostituting Angelina. I know they do prostitute children, um, 
uh, you know, uh, Corey Feldman has said uh, that's uh, quite common. But uh, but whatever. I, rem- I, re- I remember Corey Feldman's remarks very, very vividly years ago. Uh, I mean, he was terribly outspoken about the abuse that that he had at the hands of some producers and directors in Hollywood. But to say, for Randall to say that he was involved with the Bushes is extremely damning. Now, I remember about 10 years ago, there were widespread rumors of uh, George George Bush, the, the last president, his being invo- his perhaps being bisexual and being involved with youngsters. But I just put it down as uh, rumor, but evidently it keeps persisting. So how on earth would Randall have become involved with the Bushes? Well, as I said, he was kind of this the property of uh, John Voigt's family, and they went to the White House. I guess Voigt was friends with Bush, and um, Bush decided to use, because he was already a mind-controlled slave, he decided to use him for um, operations. And this is where Randy, he, you know he's telling the truth, at least to some extent. I mean, I, I believe pretty much everything he says. Uh, but there is a photograph, and please do everyone go on his uh, Twitter account, which is Randy S. Turner. And you can see this photograph, which is from the um, newscast of the day when um, uh, Reagan, President Reagan, was shot. And Randy was 16 years old uh, beside President Reagan, and this photograph, it still looks like Randy. And uh, he came, uh, he visited me, and we did some more photographs um, to to show that even though now he's quite a bit older, he still has the exact same face shape. And uh, you can see it's not the regular Reagan aide, and he's carrying the, you know, atomic football, the nuclear codes in a briefcase. He's on the ground, and there his face is. It's uh, Randy's uh, face. Uh, you're saying that a 16-year-old boy is carrying the nuclear code in a briefcase? Yes. Could this could this photograph have been photoshopped? Because it doesn't seem very likely that the intelligence community in America would allow any 16-year-old boy to be carrying uh, the codes to the nuclear button. It seems too bizarre to believe, but... Uh, there it is, and uh, apparently my guess is that they just decided we'll use this boy because he's going to be in the line of fire. Uh, when Hinckley shoots Reagan, you know, uh, if the, the aide is shot as well, it's not a big deal. It's just Randy is my guess. Do you think that uh, Hinckley was programmed to shoot Reagan? That That's... My belief in Randy, um, you know, Randy is an MK Ultra, and so he assumes that Hinckley was also. Well, I do know that when when uh, Ronald Reagan was nominated to be president of the United States and George Bush was his running mate, a number of CIA agents have joked about this. They would put up the the posters of Reagan and Bush in the lobby of the CIA headquarters at Langley, Virginia, and then they would X out Governor Reagan 
and only leave George Bush's picture up on on the wall. So anything, of course, anything horrifying is is possible in America. I have heard many, many times that Angela Jolie absolutely despises her father, will have nothing to do with her father. And I must say in passing, John Voight is a really good actor. <laughs> and he just did a series called Do Ray Donovan on Showtime, and he does an outstanding job. He's as good as anyone in it. But, of course, you just never know with these people. And I finished reading a book shortly about a detective. It was about he, he was investigating the black famous Black Dahlia murder case in uh, Hollywood, California, back in the uh, 40s. And investigating the case, he found out that it was his father who was the actual murderer of this actress. And in investigating his father's lifestyle, he found that his father was involved with a pedophilia ring that was very prominent in Hollywood and that his partner in it, and he names it in the book, was um, John Huston the famous writer-director. And I thought about this when I saw Chinatown because in Chinatown, he plays Faye Dunaway's father and is accused of abusing her when she is a child. How deep do you think this goes in Hollywood? It's, it's just a way of, that's their culture, these, this ruling elite, you know, the deep state, the shadow government. Uh, and it's a control system. You get, you train people when they're children to obey and to belong and to know that they're completely separate from ordinary people like you and me. They have their exact, uh, you know, separate culture and pedophilia is the, you know, their bond. I just have to mention before I forget, um, there's another bit of proof about Randy that um, uh, links him to the Reagan shooting, which is the newscast of the day, uh, you can see the film where the security is hustling Hinkley to the nearest patrol car, and the newscast says the lock is broken, so they have to push him you know, to a different car. And you can see in the car, somebody is reaching over and locking that door. Randy says, that was me. I was inside the patrol car. I... I was telling the driver, you have to keep me with Reagan because I have the nuclear codes. Well, I saw the I saw the photograph you were talking about, and while I found the story interesting, I kept thinking, was this picture photoshopped? Was I I don't know. Now, Rand, but it's Randall a video. Would, you can also see a video from the time where somebody is wow. in the back of the car. And how could how could Randy? I mean, who would notice that? How could Randy know? about that, except it happens to be him. And I was Did thinking another reason why they might have put him in was because the ordinary um, aide who would have been carrying the nuclear codes, uh, his name's Marathi, he might have been too well-trained. He would have protected Reagan. And so theoretically, that's another reason why they substituted Randy Turner. Would, would Randy have been with President Reagan because he was associated with George Bush Sr., who was the vice presidential candidate? Or was he associated with Reagan because 
There was some connection between him and Reagan? No, he says that Bush planned the um, assassination attempt because um, Bush wanted a trade deal with China and Reagan was too um, uh, anti-communist to to deal with China. And so either they intended to kill Reagan or it was just a warning, you know, or to get him out of the way while this trade deal with China went through. Well, that that would probably that would probably be um, supposition, I think, on Randall's part, unless it was part of pillow talk with George Bush Sr., because there was no way that I think a 16-year-old boy would have any insight into any assassination attempts. Well, I think they're, the, they're they're very cocky people. You know, the CIA, um, they they think they can get away with anything, and so far apparently they can. Um, and so I think they just assume, well, this boy, we've programmed him, and so he's just, you know, like the old servants in the old, you know, Victorian houses. You know, they're they're seen but not heard. And he says he he put this is what he says he put a glass to the door. I guess he'd seen it in a movie, and he overheard Bush um, talking with uh, I forget who Colby or I I forget KC. Why would then if if Randall right now would be about fifty two or fifty three years of age? How long has he been? I would guess you'd say sane or sober compared to when he was a child. How did he get out of it? And what is he doing today? Well, he's recovering his memories. I only um, got uh, in contact with him, I think, in July. I've been in constant communication with him since then. Um, and so I know he suffers a great deal. Um, he says there was a... He actually sued the government because of this um, you know, horrible thing during the Reagan shooting. He says he got a $10 million settlement. Of course, the case is uh, closed now for national security reasons. Um, but uh, but then he said they used this drug, uh, devil's breath, um, to get a person to just agree with anything. And so he agreed to give all the money away to his family and so forth. And so um, now he's, uh, you know, if anyone wants to send him money, I'm sure it'll be very appreciated. Um, because it, well, it is, uh, it's hard to it, function when you've been through horrible trauma like this. Obviously it is, but it would seem to me uh, that the Central Intelligence Agency, and they've done it for years, as Jim Garrison says, they murder a lot in the United States. I mean, rather than offering somebody uh, a $10 million settlement, if they're already giving them all kinds of drugs like devil's breath, they could give them something that could get rid of them, that could kill them. It would yeah, be easy to... and, and I speculate with him, why, how can you still be alive? And um, I hope everyone will read my blog, Democracy Raised from the Dead. I have several posts about him that goes into detail. But um, I, I just guess that, um, you know, somebody in the ruling elite is protecting Randy or they're somehow using him as blackmail against somebody else. You know, they're infighting or... I, I, I don't know. I just thank God that he about, is still alive. About a year ago, Veronica, this story broke supposedly about 
pedophilia in in a in an operation called Pizzagate or yes. whatever it was. Do you believe that story? Well, I am. I did a blog about that and uh, democracy raised from the dead, and uh, there is a hacker. Um, his his uh, name on Twitter is Big Fish, and he said he found child porn in a hidden, um, you know, password-protected section of the Comet Pizza restaurant website. Wow. And so that is a real red flag. You know, it's possible there's some confusion, but uh, he said he took it immediately, you know, because what what can you do when you find child porn? You can't, you know, download it on your own computer because then you're you're guilty. So, um, So anyway, of course, he immediately notified the FBI and the cops. And he said there's been no investigation. And miraculously, when there was a gunman, uh, Edgar Welsh, I think, who went into the Comet Pizza shop, and uh, he just miraculously managed to shoot one bullet that went into the hard drive of the computer where where uh, this uh, child porn would be located. So I, I honestly, I believe... Uh, that uh, there's a horrible cover-up, and there's something, you know, there's something very wrong in Washington, D.C. I don't know how deeply this uh, Comet Pizza is involved, but the owner of it is a boyfriend or ex-boyfriend of David Brock, who's uh, absolutely ruthless um, political operative. And Elephantis, the owner of this Comet Pizza shop, was named... Uh, the 50th or one of the 50 most powerful people in Washington, D.C. My goodness. He's well, when, I was, pizza shop. when I was, uh, when I was in the news in the seventies in Los Angeles, I don't know if you've heard of this story. It was, um, it looked like it was going to be the breaking of a huge pedophilia ring. Mm-hmm. And it was at a school, the McMartin school. I think I remember yes. the name of that. And it all of a sudden, it just stopped. I mean, even NBC, where I work, just stopped reporting on the story. And there were dozens and dozens of children and parents who wanted to testify in court against a number of people, and we'd never, ever heard from them. And then I think there was another operation. The name Franklin rings a bell with yes, me. Yes, the Franklin that... scandal. And there's a wonderful documentary about it called Conspiracy of Silence that you can find on YouTube. It's called Conspiracy of Silence, and yes. it is about what, dear? The Franklin scandal, which is basically, it's Pizzagate and Pedogate and Randall Turner. It's um, how pedophilia has been used to control power brokers in America and probably, you know, the whole Western world. So there's one thing about that McMartin preschool case that really astounded me that I didn't know. Uh, I think it was Ted Gunderson. He um, had an expert go in and excavate because the children had said there's tunnels under the school and the tunnels take them to this place where they did satanic rituals. And, of course, the cops said, no, no, there's no tunnels. But Ted Gunderson, who was a FBI director in Los Angeles, retired, um, he said there were tunnels. And- well, there, indeed there were, because we, we had a reporter who, who photographed those tunnels, 
And the reporter sadly lost his life in the Jonestown massacre. Uh, but that's when, as soon as he said publicly that that he was supporting what Ted Gunderson was saying, that indeed there were tunnels there. Now, he didn't have any children or any adults on camera talking about satanic rituals, but he did find the tunnels and he showed everyone the tunnels and then it was over with. We never heard about it again at all. There's a cover-up. There's uh, people in government, you know, law enforcement, they infiltrate this, you know, pedophile ring, infiltrate all, all key positions in power and they just cover it all up. Um, There's another wonderful witness from Australia who talks about um, how they use satanic ritual. It's a control mechanism. Some people don't really believe in Lucifer, but they use these rituals to, uh, you know, intimidate and compromise people. Her name is uh, Fiona Barnett. Um, The Australian actress, I can't think of her name. Nicole Kidman, her father, is uh, implicated by Fiona Barnett. That's right. And and I think she she almost admitted that uh, Stanley Kubrick's t- talked about when he made Eyes Wide Shut, that one of the things that he wanted to reveal amongst the ruling elites was not just their sexual proclivities and and, and their sexual games, but there was actual monstrous pedophilia going on amongst them and she had a very brief news conference about three months ago where she started to talk about it and then stopped Hmm. another whistleblower is ronald bernard i believe he's dutch and he you can find him on youtube he talks about how they use child sacrifice it's just like a you know like a hazing ritual like you'd have in a fraternity but they happen to be, you know, murdering children as part of the um, initiation, right? Well, you know, I have heard for years, and I guess everybody has, about a horrible thing called snuff films. Yeah. And I have, I have never, ever believed. Now, I listen, I know how monstrously cruel human beings can be. When I was, when I was a young boy, I used to be surprised when people were evil now that i'm an adult i'm surprised when they're good but i could never i could never accept the fact that not only was there such a thing as a snuff film but that anybody would want to watch a movie where somebody gets killed do you believe there do you believe there's such a thing as a snuff oh yeah of course yeah hunter s thompson and um uh, yes, it's talked about. Uh, well, Hunter Thompson, I absolutely loved him. Do you know that the day after 911, he was on an Australian radio show and he said, This is an inside job. And then a few months later, he blew his brains out. And he absolutely loathed George Bush. Just, he would always talk about how dreadful a human being. George Bush was and how much he hated him and what a draft dodger he was and what an ignoramus he was. And somebody said that the reason that he blew his own brains out is he couldn't get to George Bush. <laughs> but 
But he was an absolutely brilliant writer. He was one of the reasons Rolling Stone became so popular. And his covering of the- I think he's also, um, he was involved in uh, uh, snuff films. And uh, I think it's Paul Bonassi is a, a witness who named him. David Scherter is another witness who named uh, Hunter S. Thompson, I believe. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I must tell you, I am so glad to talk to you, but I am so depressed. No, don't be depressed. It's almost Christmas. You can get presents and kiss under the mistletoe. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just, but you know, when you think about it, truthfully, Veronica, if you and I and every human on this planet were denied water and food for about a week, we could end up eating each other. You know that? I mean, we have seen a couple of stories about planes crashing in the Andes, and a few days later, they were eating some of the passengers and crew. Oh, my God almighty. But, of course, uh, uh, Campbell, who was uh, probably one of America's greatest philosophers, uh, he's the one that said, if, if if you follow your joy, doors in the universe that you didn't even know were there will open it as if by magic. And he wrote this wonderful series called The Power of Myth. He said, but one thing that Americans can never accept is that they have to kill in order to live, whether it's food or one another. And it is certainly true. You just, you know, I guess we do have, have to kill. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because it is just incomprehensible to me that anybody would touch a child and that anybody could murder somebody. You know, uh, I, I, I get, I, you know, there are people in the world that I absolutely loathe and I think maybe should be tried and hung, but I wouldn't want to be the one to do it to them, you know. But anyway... Veronica, I, I, I can't thank you enough. And where can people go to read some of this wonderful stuff that you blog? And then I think also, since you do such wonderful work for fang.wild.org, tell people exactly what fang.wild.org is. <laughs> Fangedwilds.org is about women saving dangerous predators in the wild because it's kind of sexy and it's fun and it's exciting to think about um, all the the qualities that we can uh, appreciate about lions, tigers, and bears. Well, that's funny because in the animal world, you're saving predators and then in the human world, you're trying to lock them up. Veronica, I want to thank you so much for being here. Where can people go to read some of your wonderful stuff, one of your wonderful. There, one of those. there are links on Twitter on Randy's uh, Rand, Randy S. Turner on Twitter, and uh, Democracy Raised from the Dead is my blog. Well, again, dear, thank you again for being here. It's and an when honor. you talk, when you talk to Randy, give him our best. I'm I'm so glad that. He's a survivor. He's not a successful survivor, but he's still alive and he's still trying. And good luck to him and good luck to you. You have a very, very happy holiday, dear. 
and a wonderful new year. And I hope to talk to you again in a couple of months because there are a couple of things that I want to follow up with you uh, uh, about with you that I didn't want to touch on tonight. But it deals it it's it's much more deeply involved in the subject that we were covering. So thank you again for being here. You have a wonderful night. Great holiday. Thank and we'll you. talk to you next year. Okay, bye. bye, dear. We'll be right back with Joe Satilli, who surprisingly started his religious life as an evangelical and turned into one of the brightest, brightest human beings I know. We'll be right back with Joe. Great music from all the greatest performers from sunup to sundown. How do you keep the music playing at last? Then, great talk all night. The mysteries of UFOs. Conspiracy theories and the true story of Las Vegas that has never been told. There are three ways to listen to KIYQ. Go to the TuneIn app, just search for KIYQ, or go to www.kiyq.org. Listen from any telephone, call 605-477-2857. That's 605-477-2857. Long distance charges may apply. KIYQ 107.1 Hi, I'm Richard Valzer. This is the great BBS Radio. Thank you for that smile upon your face. Oh, sunny. Hi, this is John Barber. You may remember me as the co-host, producer, and creator of Real People, America's first reality show. Or most recently as the writer-director of what's been called the definitive documentary on JFK's murder, The Last Word on the Assassination. Now I'm doing a show every other Monday from 5 to 6 Pacific Time on BBS. You'll hear provocative views, unreported news, and film reviews from me with outstanding guests and you. Join me on John Barber's World. You're listening to BBS Radio. If it's not mainstream, it's on bbsradio.com. Those of you who have an ongoing interest in the JFK assassination might want to know about this. TV producer John Barber. He put together a dream team of JFK researchers, including Coast regular Jim Mars and uh, world-class JFK writers Dick Russell and Joan Mellon. They all got together at UNLV in front of a live audience. They had a screening of Barber's terrific, and I'd say historic, film based on interviews with uh, prosecutor Jim Garrison of New Orleans. And then after the film was shown, the experts all talked about the latest JFK theories and evidence. It's now out on a DVD. Terrific stuff. I'm George Knack, host to Coast AM. Welcome back to John Barber's World Live here in Las Vegas. And uh, I want to uh, thank George Knapp for that wonderful review about the last word on the assassination. And I want to thank you all, all of you, thousands of you out there 
who has spent a couple of dollars to take a look at the American media in the second assassination of President John F. Kennedy, which is now doing well on Vimeo. And hopefully in the next month, we'll have it up on iTunes. And it's also being considered by Netflix. So we hope it gets up there so every American can see this very, very important film. Right now, uh, I want to introduce one of my very dearest, dearest friends, without whom I could not do this show, and without whom I could not be fully informed, who staggered me a couple of weeks ago when we were just talking casually off camera. And he said he started religious life in the 70s as an evangelical. How how we went from there to this wonderful, broad-minded, informed human being and and not uh, Roy Moore. It's just amazing. Anyway, Joe. I always liked the... older women, John. Oh, okay. Anyway, welcome to uh, what do they call if if if, if the pedophile like likes somebody younger? What do they call somebody who likes them older? Okay, a, a they call the paper boy. Because that's that's the, I mean that's the thing. I was I had a paper route. You know, when you're a paper boy, you're 11 years old. You're just you go to collect on the paper route. Hi, Mrs. Jones. I'd like you to be. Were you interested in getting the comics and the special weekend section? And you hope they open the door with a robe and they go, "Hi, won't you come in for some cookies?" So it's. I mean, it's a much different thing than Roy Moore's defenders. Who uh, there are two really fascinating things. One was a focus group done by Republican pollster Frank Lunds, in which a guy said, "Well, you know, 40 years ago." There were, you know, it was legal to marry a 14-year-old, and I would dare say that there would be many parents in Alabama would be happy if their 14-year-old came home with an assistant district attorney, um, <laughs> which I just yeah. – I don't believe that that, that is true because 40 years ago, that was when Carter was elected, and I just feel like we weren't marrying 14-year-olds then. But um, then the other uh, uh, defense that was offered by a pastor a couple weeks ago – was that Roy Moore was interested in young women, very young women, because he was interested in finding purity in a sullied world. <laughs> that's, that's not – I mean that's actually what was said. And I think that that's actually an interesting yeah, – Then he should have bought a bar of ivory soap, 99%. How <laughs> no, do you see this? They have these it's, – it's, it's a joke item. It's actually soap that's made in the form of like a donut. Um, that's a true thing. So, uh, okay. First, first off, you know, I have, you could tell by my interview with Veronica, I have a very difficult time wrapping my head around the depth of the pedophilia that I read about in this country, all the way from Washington to Hollywood. And she mentioned, she said, thankfully she knew what I was talking about as probably you do, about the McMartin case in Los Angeles in the 70s and the fact that kids said there were tunnels under there. They used to be transported back and forth to adults for sex, for crying out loud. One of our reporters found the tunnels and then found himself going to Jonestown and getting himself murdered. Wait, 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 because I think the, I, the McMartin thing is actually something I knew about at the time and followed in real time because it was involving satanic ritual abuse. And and this was this actually happened in the 80s. I believe the case actually finally was brought in 83, which would have been after Jonestown. Yeah, but and it broke in the mid 70s. Did it, it never got the court? It never it got to court until the 80s. Okay, 
So the thing about the there were it triggered a whole industry of satanic ritual abuse, which I think actually intersects with which where you were going with the start of this conversation, which was about evangelicals, because we had a major satanic ritual abuse freak out for about 10 years from circa 1982 to 1992, 1993. And it was something I followed closely because at that time I had left being an evangelical. Obviously I was not a Christian and I, you know, when you're young and you're in your late teens or whatever, you take a hard stand. I took a hard stand as a devout atheist, whatever that is. And so this was something I followed quite specifically. And the, you know, it's rumored to be the most expensive criminal trial in the history of the United States. The McMartin trial went on for a long time. And on those tunnels, I know that there were, you know, contractors and engineers who were brought out to say, that the tunnels that were uncovered were actually – the site had been built on many times, and over the years there had been repeated tunnels – not tunnels, but gullies uh, carved out for plumbing and, uh, and other foundation work. And those, when, you, when they excavated it, appeared to be tunnels but weren't tunnels, but maybe could have been used as tunnels, but weren't the, weren't the tunnels that were supposedly described. Now – all I'm saying, the only reason I'm bringing this up is not to discount that you're that the guy that you're talking about found the tunnels. It's that we are now we get into this gray area, and I think the 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 main issue is that the woman, I think it was a woman who was involved in 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 debriefing all of the children, and I and I mean that in the in the intelligent sense of the word, in debriefing all the children was not a licensed therapist. And it was determined that she used coercive techniques to extract confessions from the kids or to extract the statements from the kids. And most of the kids, of course, did not testify in court. And the whole court case went off the rails in no small part because it focused so much on the satanic ritual abuse. And maybe the prosecutors overshot their mark because the satanic ritual abuse was almost impossible to prove. As a matter of fact, it was not proven. And – and so, you know, on the McMartin case, I don't know exactly what happened there. I don't know that we'll ever know what happened there. I mean, this is one of the things that I've come to over the course of the many years working in journalism and history uh, is that sometimes you just have to say, we don't know. At least I have to say, do you think, I don't know. Okay, if, you're go if you were going to speculate, though, do yeah. you think the business of talking about satanic rituals was truly a distraction an unprovable distraction to get people off the fact that some parents claim that their children were sexually molested. That I mean, that is a great question. And it actually gets to, I think, is a larger issue that we face today in understanding things and understanding the world around us and trying to come to agreed upon facts is that I think that we are in an environment that is that is peppered with red herrings. So if you wanted to derail a case, you could get everybody ginned up on the idea of satanic ritual abuse, and there is nothing that proves satanic ritual abuse, and all of a sudden, boom, there you go. You've undermined the story. If I was exactly if I was exactly. frankly, if I was in if I was a Reddit minded, you know, conspiracy uh uh whatever they are now, because I used to be called a conspiracy theorist when I was in the mainstream media. I think now people in the conspiracy world think of me as a as a mainstream apologist. 
because that's how far <laughs> everything has moved over to another direction. I mean, I used to be considered the kook in the newsroom, you know. So uh, now you have to wonder if things like Pizzagate, which is a story that had nothing to it, you could make the case that what Pizzagate did was undermine inquiry into actual stories by taking a fake story, putting out there, knocking down the straw man, and ending all inquiry. I think that that it's sometimes it's called controlled opposition. You create a controlled opposition, you turn them into sort of a, a, a flaccid patsy that you can knock down, and it undermines all inquiry associated with the story that you created the controlled opposition for. You know, there was uh, there was a madam in Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. Four years ago. Okay. Tell us that story, because you know what? It seems that every time it looks as though some a, a really deep sexual scandal is going to break in this country, something always happens to distract us. Now, I have no I, I have no difficulty in believing all of the things that I read and see about Jimmy Seville in England, which just is an absolute abomination. Maybe their their press is a lot better at getting at the root facts of a story like that, but we never seem to get to the bottom of any of these sexual scandals in this country. So expand a little on this madam in Washington, D.C. Well, what it's, to her. it's like everything. They, 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 you're right. They do come and go. You make this great case about Jimmy Seville, right? But Jimmy Seville was dead and gone. So, you know, that that kind of helps, right? Open up yes, the floodgates yeah, a little bit. Because right? they, never, they never broke it when he was alive. And, and he was a big moneymaker, and he was a, a flagship, top of the pops. That was American Bandstand and 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 Dick Clark on steroids. It was yeah. like the most important thing going. I mean, your whole career could be made by an appearance on top of the pops. There was a, another scandal in which in, uh, one entire town, if not more, were involved in, in a sort of a pedophilia uh, debacle in Belgium. And it seemed there was a point at which about about seven years ago, it seemed like the entire country of Belgium was populated with pedophiles. In the case of Washington D.C., you know, you're talking about the D.C. madam, and this and did not get the same play as Heidi Fleiss, right? The right. the Hollywood madam, because we kind of expect with people in Hollywood that they're footloose and fancy free and having fun and whatever. And Heidi Fleiss sort of became uh, kind of a celebrity cult figure, actually. That's because when it happens in Hollywood, we just wink at it. Or we think of it as more sauce for the goose, right? <laughs> right, yeah. because these, because these, you know, look, come on, they're beautiful people, and they're all, you know, well built and well hung, and and lo have lots of money. Of course, they're going to do all this stuff. Even though everybody, all the guys in Hollywood are like, all the best actors are under five six. Anyway, so um, I don't know if you've noticed that, John. Have you noticed that all the really good actors are short? But any little Napoleon comments. That's true. So, That's true. In D.C. You know, I could tell you from my time living in D.C., there is a very uh, vibrant underground sex culture. There's a very vibrant underground gay sex culture and underground clubs that that 
that are interlinked with both the Pentagon and Capitol Hill. This is known to everybody that lives inside the Beltway. We all know it. We all know things. We Everybody knows that, that Lindsey Graham is not just a, a, uh, an exceptional bachelor who never got married. Everybody, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like the, the Washington madam, when these things come, I think because so many politicians have tied their, themselves to a moral imprimatur, to an idea that, that they are uh, paragons of morality and they use that as a selling point, which is really not something – you know, whatever you want to say about John F. Kennedy's voracious sexual appetite, he never sold himself as a moral scold. No, never. Right? never. So, and I think one of the things that we've seen over the course, you brought up this start with evangelicals to try and tie this together. I think as evangelical Christianity has, has, has become an interloper in American politics more and more, and it really changed during the Carter administration. Because remember, our first evangelical president is Jimmy Carter. He yeah. was – this was a big deal that he was an evangelical. Who is this country bumpkin from the south, some Bible thump, an evangelical? And that's when I was in the evangelical movement. And then he goes in, goes to Playboy and he talks about how he's lusted for women in his heart. And he <laughs> says, oh my gosh, what's this all about? Well, whatever you say about Jimmy Carter, he was a practice what you preach kind of guy, which is why we have Habitat for Humanity and why at age 90-something, he's still doing Sunday school lessons in his local church every Sunday, whereas in the course of the his presidency, Jerry Falwell created a new form of political evangelicalism that sur supplanted Jimmy Carter's political evangelicalism and replaced it with this moral scold version of evangelicalism that generated – that one, tied itself to Ronald Reagan and the Republican Party, and two – created what he called the moral majority and became the Ed Meese Commission on Pornography and became this whole thing during the 80s where we became schizophrenic about 80s television and 80s movies that were still selling sex all the time and this bizarre, let's go back to the old time religion and let's have all old moral values and at the, and so the people who are involved in that, particularly in power in Washington, D.C., do you think these guys who suddenly got the old-time religion because they realized it was going to win them an election decided to practice what they were preaching? No. Amazing. No, you know, they, went to, they went to the Washington madam. So to keep the Washington madam from telling her story, it was incredibly important from an electoral point of view, particularly if you want to keep that incredible – healthcare and uh, pension package that all the members of Congress get. And what happened to this madam? She disappeared. I haven't heard anything of her in years. And I, as a matter of no, fact, when, I, I, when we get off, I think I'm going to Google because she literally came and went, disappeared, did not have a Heidi Fleiss second act. Let's put it well, that way. It, there was, there was uh, a madam uh, in New York City who was going to uh, name names, and she ended up hanging herself, they said, in her garage. Yeah, well. And her, and her parents said that that's impossible. But, you know, I have scores of people when I go out. Uh, they always ask me after they see the movie, they ask me how on earth could America or could any, how could Congress or the Senate or the President of the United States uh, put up 
with an obvious deviant homosexual like J. Edgar Hoover. How could they leave that man in office with his lover, obviously his lover, for so long? Because he knew about everybody else's lovers. (laughs) You know what? You're you're absolutely right. Exactly right. He was smart enough to be able to blackmail almost everybody. And I think that that's why all of these sexual things come up, because once you do it, then somebody's got something on you. Well, Joe, I want to thank you so much. I want you to have an absolutely wonderful, wonderful holiday. I want everybody listening not only to have a great holiday, but reward yourself with the Christmas gift on December 25th. We're going to replay the show that we did earlier with uh, Jesse Ventura and Joe Satilli. Uh, on, uh, on, on on Christmas Day, the 25th. You all have a great holiday, a great new year, and we'll see you all in January. And as Ed Murray used to say, good night and good luck.